There's a portion of Scripture that has been much on my heart over the last few days, and the more I have read it, the more I have been intimidated by trying to preach about it. I don't know, but I think it's probably one of those subjects that we hear too little about. But after I have read over the past few days this passage, and I've read it in so many different different translations to try to get the fullness of the message. I have made a purpose in my heart that I want to preach more about it. I have thought over the last few days that many times in life what we celebrate are the blessings of God. We celebrate and we do that regularly, the goodness of God. Our worship services are centered around the fact that God has helped us, He has healed us, He has delivered us, He has touched us, He has moved us, and on and on the, the adjectives go to try and describe what the Lord has done for all of us. And our services are really a celebration of what He has done. The fact that nothing could hold him down. The grave could not keep him. Death couldn't hold him. And the devil couldn't tame him. All of those things have made our lives so much more wonderful. We, are, we make much about the power of God. And we preach often about that power. The power to save and to deliver and to heal We are all drawn to his ministry of reconciliation who who among us tonight are not thankful that we have been reconciled. We which were once lost and we were outcast, we were not part of the bloodline of God's people. He has grafted us in. He has taken and made us part of his family and he has reconciled us to himself. The word reconcile simply means to balance the books. If you reconcile your checkbook, you go in and you put down all of the debits and make sure they do not exceed the deposits so that you will have a balanced life, so that you will not get in trouble. So when we talk about the reconciliation of God, we talk about the fact that God came in and he balanced the books. All of the books of my life on one side of the ledger were all of the things that I'd done wrong. All of my failures, all of my sins, all of my shortcomings. And no matter what I did to try to free myself from those things, I could never get away. And the balance of my life was much like this. But when he came into my life, he put his weight on the other side. And what I could not do, he balanced out my life and he took away from me the reproach that my sins had put upon me. And I am thankful for that tonight. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that he has reconciled me unto himself. We pray and we worship him as the way maker. How many times have we preached about the God who can make things happen and make things happen now? We preached about him as our healer and tonight we witness people who came 
to receive that touch in their life because there was a work done at Calvary that has purchased our healing. There were stripes that were laid upon his back. And so we rejoice that God is our healer. And how many times have we worshipped in this sanctuary and we have been made to shout because the Lord has been our helper. When we needed him the most, God showed up right on time And for that we are thankful. And how could we not stop and consider the fact that he is our deliverer. That he has snatched us out of situations. And taken us out of things that we could not get out of ourselves. I am thankful tonight that God is my deliverer. Is there anybody in the house that is thankful that God delivered you? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We think of him as the one who makes us to prosper. And I believe God does bless his people. I believe it pays to serve God. Amen. I believe you are blessed every day of your life when you give your life to him. We preach what I would consider to be the attractiveness of Christ. There's nothing that is unattractive about healing or deliverance or mercy or grace or love or compassion. There's nothing unattractive about delivering me from my troubles and helping me in my distress and healing me when my body is sick. We worship and we adore that attractiveness of Him. But does anyone here tonight want to know what it took for us to come to the place tonight where we could rejoice in the attractiveness of our God, that he is a healer, that he is a deliverer? Would anybody tonight like to hear the unadulterated, unmitigated truth about what God has done That we tonight could rejoice in what we have rejoiced in. That we could even come into a building that's called a church and sit on pews and lift up our voice and lift up our hands and give our praise to Him. Does anybody here tonight want to know or are you interested on on the other side of glory, the gory side of glory, the part that nobody likes to talk about and it's very seldom ever heard preached in the pulpit anymore. As a matter of fact, some denominations have gone to the extent of removing anything that has to do with the blood or the cross or the crucifixion out of their literature because they do not want their services to be clouded by such dark things. But I want to tell you tonight the reason that I can clap my hands and the reason that I lift my hands tonight and the reason that I rejoice is because there was a glory side of glory. There was something that he had to do in order that I could enjoy what I am doing tonight. Amen. Does anybody want to know what it took to stop the the, the tide of sin that rose higher and higher? And does anyone know what it took to stop and pay the price that was mounting every day upon our life? 
Does anybody care to know what it took for healing to be made possible? Are we interested in knowing what reconciliation cost? Are we interested in knowing that he carried our burdens so that we would not have to carry our burdens? Does anybody want to know the reason that he suffered is so that you could not suffer? What we fail to consider is that before he could be made attractive to us, he had to be the sufferer of the unattracted, the things that were undesired. All of the things tonight that we enjoy, the church. I thought about it today, how blessed I have been because of the church. Growing up, being a, a child who was brought to services as a baby, and I remember many times as a child looking out from underneath pews as, as people's legs went by, as they shouted and, and danced. I remember one night in Wichita Falls, we had a a severe weather uh, uh, that moved through and hail began to fall. And I'm not talking about small pea-sized hail. I'm talking about hail that some of it was the size of golf balls and larger. And as it began to fall on that old frame building, we had glasses and windows down both sides. One of those pieces of hail hit the window and shattered it. Now, that would have been enough for most people to have gathered their kids together and taken themselves and gone home. But I'll never forget, our pastor stopped the service and all the men got off the benches. They turned the benches up against the window to protect from flying glass. And we went right on having church. And it didn't stop us. I grew up around that. Everything that has come into my life has been a result of the church of the living God. That's why I don't like to talk bad about it. It may have its faults and it may have its shortcomings, but the church has been too good to me for me to sit around and find fault in it. I have been blessed because of the church, and I have been blessed to bring my family to a church for many, many years. We worship tonight, and oh, the beauty of our worship. It was so uplifting to hear the sound. And, and not, I remember Brother Denny, one of the things, one of the first compliments he, pray, he paid our church, and I thought it was kind of strange, but he said, Brother Hughes, the worship today just sounded incredible. But he said what really sounded good was their harmony. Sometimes we take that for granted, that we just expect it to be that way. But I'm wonderfully blessed when I do hear people who have tone and pitch and they know how to blend their voices together to magnify God in an even greater measure. There's nothing wrong with that. I believe we ought to give our best to God. I don't believe we ought to just do it anyway. I believe we need to be as professional. But I'm here to tell you that our worship lifted me up tonight because I felt something coming out of the heart of people that were truly thankful that God has blessed their lives. I praise Him tonight because of His goodness, and I am blessed. And when I look around tonight, all the things that I enjoy, the fellowship of God's people, I've said it before and I say it tonight, I would have to say that to a large degree, I am closer to this family right here 
in many ways than I am my own biological family. Not because I don't love my family, but there's something about the relationship that develops inside a church When you come alongside people when they're going through the valley and they're battling their life and you stand with them and you help pray them through and you walk with them through those dark moments and and then you see them lift their hands and rejoice, that fellowship has enriched my life. I am a blessed man tonight because of all of the men who sit in this congregation I have been made better by you, and I am thankful for that tonight and the friendships that have been developed. Think about that tonight. Think about your closest friends. Most often they are a result of you being in the church of the living God and the peace that we enjoy and the blessings and the prosperity and all the other things that come As a matter of fact, every blessing that we have in our Christian life is a result of one thing, and that one thing is the cross. The cross. And I must not forget the cross. I must not forget Calvary. I don't know who wrote it. I've tried to find it. Google didn't help me today, but... Somewhere somebody wrote a song, I'll not forget your love. But each day that I live, I'll take a visit back to Calvary. I wish I had that tonight because that speaks the sentiments of my heart. I do not want to forget that the reason that I enjoy what I enjoy today is because there was a day when glory was darkened and it was ugly. It was not only ugly, it was painful and torturous. The things that happened to him, not because he deserved it, but because I needed it. I had to have somebody like him. My sacrifice wasn't sufficient. My lamb was not good enough. It would not do what I needed. It would only push it away, and I needed it washed away. And in order for him to wash my sins away, there was a price that would have to be paid that would cost dearly. And somebody was going to have to die. And God said, I'll I'll pay that price. So the story of our redemption has its source in a place called Calvary. It's beyond the walls of Jerusalem. It's the strange-shaped hill By the Greeks, it's called Golgotha. One writer of the New Testament called it the place of the skull. Historians say it is such an awkward place that it looks as if the earth itself has rejected it. It is nothing but a bald, ugly knob of rock, despised, rejected even of the earth. What a fitting place for what took place there that day. It was at this place that the tragic lives of many were ended. Murderers' careers came to a horrible end here. And time and again, crosses were erected on its horizon as men writhed in pain as they received their due judgment for their evil deeds. And it was on that hillside that Jesus was lifted 
on man's cruelest instrument of torture, a cross. The Romans had perfected that art. They had learned much from the Persians, no doubt. But they had learned the ultimate way to torture and demean a man or a human. And that was to crucify them. They had done it well and they had done it for years. Crucifixion had become the cruelest form of death. Because not only was it painful, but it was long and agonizing. It was a slow way to die. And because of the position of the body and the weight of the body, historians say that in order for a man to continue to breathe, he would have to literally pull himself up by the spikes that were nailed into his hands and get a breath of air then to exhale and sag and let those nails rip his hand. It was a slow and agonizing death. But he did it. He did it. He did it. He did it for me. He did it for you. Nails in the hands and nails in the feet. Thorns on the head and stripes on his back. And finally a spear in his side. His mangled, torn form was against that old rugged cross. And you hear the sounds, the deafening sounds as the crowds pass by. And they mock him. Can you imagine? They ridiculed. They laughed at him. They said things like this. If you are who you say you are, come down from that cross and we will believe you. They came by and they spit in his direction and they cursed him and they continued their mockery. The sun that had looked down upon the earth for centuries of time had seen man's coming and goings in countless ages past. And it had seen the ravages of thousands beneath its heavenly glare. The sun had seen millions of people die by starvation. It had seen the tragedies at sea and it had seen the ravages of war. It had looked down without ever flinching at murder and rape and torture and acts of all kinds of inhumanity to horrible, too horrible for me to describe. And never one time in all of those centuries had the sun ever stopped doing what it was called to do. But on that day, on that day, it became so heavy that the very sun itself pulled the curtains over itself because it could look no longer at what was happening there on that ugly cross. Shuddered and trembled, it drew the curtains of darkness across its face, and it drenched earth in a blackness unlike any blackness it had ever known. We look, and when we look, we must do something about what we see. But why was he there? Why was he there? What had he done to deserve the treatment? What was his record? What had he done to be justified to such cruelty? If you listen to the crowd, the crowd would yell in unison, He got what he deserved. That's what the crowd said. But Isaiah helps me to understand that that is not 
the truth of the matter. Isaiah said, no, he did not get what he deserved. He got what you deserved. Isaiah chapter 53, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He said, who has believed our message? And to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, and there was nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. But the truth is... He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us. Everybody say all of us. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. (laughs) He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. You want to know what it costs for you to enjoy the worship that you're enjoying tonight? Let me keep reading. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. Many descendants. (laughs) The reason we're here tonight is because of a place called Calvary. And we cannot forget that. The reason that we enjoy our worship and we enjoy this church and we are so blessed and the reason we prosper tonight is because he took a trip that we could not take and he paid a a debt that we could not pay and he carried a load that you and I were insufficient to carry. It was the weight, the sin of the world When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, the Bible said he will be satisfied. Somehow I think tonight when the Lord looked into this service, he had to smile and say, yes, it was worth it. It was worth it. When he saw your hands lifted 
Yeah, that stripe was worth it. When he saw these people come to the front and put their faith out before him and say, God, we take you at your word. You're our healer. God had to say it was worth it. Every stripe, all the blood that poured from his body, it cries out for redemption. It cries out for vindication. And we vindicate his blood when we serve him and we worship him and we love him and we give him our everything. We vindicate the fact that what he did back then was not in vain. It was not a waste. Because of his experience, because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous because of what he did. Many will be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. I don't know, but you'd be shocked. I doubt very seriously if if this building would be big enough to contain all of my sins I don't know about you but this building and a thousand buildings with it could not contain all the failures of my life but when he went to that cross brother buddy he picked up that load and carried it with him and he said I'll take care of this I'll handle this for him I'm going to give him an opportunity to be free I'm going to give him the opportunity to know joy and peace and happiness and prosperity and blessing. I'm going to give him the blessings of knowing what it is to have a family and to have relationships and develop those relationships and nurture those. I'm going to give him the opportunity of having a family, a church where he can come daily and weekly and he can rejoice together with God's people and he can weep with God's people, but he can be connected to something that is worthwhile because of what I did at Calvary. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier, the scripture said, because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels and he bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. He did it all for us. Amen. The reason that I can worship him tonight is because of what happened almost 2,000 years ago. We don't very seldom go back to that place because it's, it's pretty disturbing. It's pretty disturbing. You, you can't stand at the cross and hear that blood dripping and hear that... <laughs> and keep bitterness in your heart. <laughs> you, you can't stand there. And look up, and his face is so swollen that you can hardly see his eyes. And his stomach is partially hanging out, his intestines. They say he was so beaten that his entrails were visible through the wounds of his body. Oh, it's an ugly sight. That's the gory side of glory. But he did it so that I could enjoy what I have here tonight. You better never forget that. 
you get a little cocky and arrogant and you get a little chip on your shoulder and you think you've got something to be mad about, you need to make a trip back to Calvary and take a look at what it cost him for you to enjoy what you're enjoying. And when you get a little feelings of uppityness and you think you're a little better than somebody else, you need to go back to that place and stand there where, where it's even ground. And he called us all rebels. <laughs> all rebels. But he did it so that I could do what I'm doing tonight. He did it so I could bring my burdens and cast them on him. He did it so I could bring my problems and lay them before him and say, God, I don't know what to do, but you've got to help me. He did it so that I could be free of the guilt and the condemnation of failure. He was oppressed. That word itself is so heavy. He was afflicted. He was beaten. He was cruelly crushed. The Bible said he was crushed because of our iniquities. That doesn't mean he was just gently pushed. But when that load was dropped on him, it crushed him. It put him down. The burden was so heavy. No, he didn't do it because he needed to. He did it because I needed him to. The punishment that he suffered was for my peace. I could not pay the price. The ransom was too high. But he said, I, I can pay it. We're healed because of the wounds. The wounds. Oh, God, don't ever let me forget that. I don't want to make it just a gory story to, to go back to, but let me never forget what it cost for me to be where I am right now and to know what it is to be forgiven, to know what it is to be loved, to be accepted. I don't know about you, but as a young person growing up, I struggle with a lot of insecurities. And I guess the thing that attracted me to him is that when I, when I knelt at an altar, there was something that embraced me there that made me feel like I belonged. I have never gotten away from that. The reason that I am here tonight is because I was accepted. Amen. And that was possible because 2,000 years ago, he took a trip to an ugly place on the earth. And he let him do unthinkable things to him. Oh, God, I knew I couldn't do it tonight. I knew I couldn't tell it the way you could tell it. But, oh, God, if you could speak to us, if you could pull the veil back from our eyes, our pride and our arrogance, and, oh, God, let us see what all you did so that we can be forgiven and we can be loved and we could be cared for. That we could sit where we sit tonight. Our families would be blessed. Our children would be blessed. Our generations to come could know of love and mercy and compassion and care. Oh God, tonight, let me not forget. The punishment that you went through was for my iniquities. 
You were oppressed. You were cut off. You were struck down. Oh God, if my soul is sensitive enough to understand the ramifications of what happened there, then surely the least that I can do is serve him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my spirit. That this one whose blood seeps red onto the ground is dying for me. He's dying for me. That's why we enjoy what we enjoy tonight. Why we feel what we feel. Why we have been blessed and encouraged tonight. Why we experience what we experience. In order to furnish a fair view of our life, we must not forget Calvary. The great writer said it this way, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it is true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Oh, God. Let's stand together.